Ahoy! It's Yamoy! And welcome to episode 12 of the podcast. This is M. We're growing! The podcast is getting bigger. Uh, I don't... I don't know. You know, the, the problem with podcasts is the stats about them are... It's not like streaming services for music. You know, how people listen to podcasts is so disparate and disorganized, and it's... I guess it's nearly impossible for any one service to really tell you how your performance is or how many people are actually listening, but... Based on the numbers that do come in, uh, and coupling those with like the YouTube views and stuff, which YouTube, I, I, frankly, I don't think a lot of people are checking out on YouTube. One, most of the people who um, already follow my music don't probably give a crap about this podcast. But, um, but um, I also don't mention it very much. <laughs> but um, overall, the podcast is growing. I think um, I think uh, earlier this week it was up like five hundred percent, which. You know, it's still not a ton of numbers, but in terms of listens, um, to be up 500% week to week is is pretty good. So thanks for everyone who's been listening. And um, like I said, uh, we were jumping back and forth between the present and the and the past and the future and all that sort of stuff. So um, this is going to be episode 12. I just re-recorded episode 9, which you heard a long time ago. And um, you just listened to an edited episode of episode 11. So um, so in some ways, I'm actually, I don't know, I feel like I'm just coming off of episode 9 that you heard. Um, and why did I bring that up? Oh, I was saying I got some messages from people uh, the other week that they've been listening to the podcast and they really like it. So thanks for those kind of messages, and for anyone who tunes in, thanks for listening. Uh, if you haven't already, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, basically wherever you find podcasts, uh, you should be able to find this. Um, and if you like it, you know, I don't ask too often, but uh, if you could rate and review it in whatever service you use, um, that helps too. So if you like it and you want to give it a five-star review or say something nice about it, um, take two minutes and do that. Or if you just want to think of one person in your life that you really think would like the show, go ahead and send them your favorite episode or the most recent episode and uh, let them know you think they uh, that they would enjoy it. Uh, otherwise, you can connect with me. Uh, all my socials are at thisismxoxo. And uh, yeah, I think that's all the business we have to cover uh, I feel really silly today. I, you know, I talk about in therapy, <clears throat> a couple things are flashing in my mind, uh, right now, but you know, I'm 34 now. And I, when I was in my early twenties, I mean, really my, my late teens until my early twenties, really into my, it probably went on longer than that too. But, um, you know, I was just fucked up, man. I was really like tortured and depressed and unhappy and uh, I think a lot of people feel that way. But um, the reason I bring it up is because I have this vision of myself that was sort of calcified at that time in my life. And it was somebody who was incompetent, who was struggling, um, who was their own worst enemy, who couldn't get out of their own way, who was self-defeating um, and hopeless and unhappy and all those sorts of things. And when I finally went to therapy and, and I actually, I chipped away at therapy in like my late, like around like 19 or for a couple of years between like 19 and 21 or 22, but I never really committed. But when I finally went to therapy for real, for real at like 26, I literally had this palpable feeling of like sprinting in the opposite direction. I mean, I've been in therapy now for I feel like I've been saying eight years for a while, so I don't really know, but I guess, uh, yeah, probably like nine years almost. And, um, and for three of those, I went twice a week, but, um, or maybe two of them, it doesn't matter. But the point is I've been, I've been in therapy for quite a while and, uh, I've been working on myself hard. Um, but I still have this feeling that that person that I was, you know, that I've been trying so hard to, to not be for so many years is always just behind me. You know, it's this sort of Jekyll and Hyde thing. Or like almost like someone who turns into a werewolf. Like they spend most of their life just as a normal person. But when the full moon comes out, man, it's like they become this werewolf. And they sort of wake up the next morning with their clothes all shredded. And, you know, they have blood on their hands. And they just like, oh, fuck, man, what did I do? What did I do last night? Ah, and they just sort of watch the news or wait for the newspaper to come out to, 
you know, read some story that's like, you know, ah, village woman um, uh, mutilated by a wild animal or something, you know, something like that. Um, and uh, so every once in a while, I have these experiences that sort of make me feel like that person that I was is not far away. And this morning, I, I, um, I worked last night late as usual until about midnight. And I, I was already gassed. I was, um, uh, I already feel like I'm sort of already apologizing for myself. But the truth is, I was super bummed. I was irritated. I had a really short fuse yesterday at work. And, you know, I don't think other people noticed, but I just, I was hyper conscious in myself that I was like super oinery. And um, had a, ke- a chemistry quiz this morning that uh, I was not really prepared for. And it's totally my fault. Uh, I had a lot of other assignments, paper for another class. I had some uh, some other chemistry homework to to finish up, and um, I don't say that as an excuse, but uh, I'm doing you know I'm doing pretty well in the class anyway. And um, sat down with my teacher recently, and who said you know I'd have to do pretty poorly on the final not to get an A in the class. So. I I wrestle with this sometimes because when I talk about this like werewolf side of myself, there's a part of me when I when I feel myself like wanting to slack off, I really wonder like, oh, is that the is that the werewolf part of my personality that, um, you know, is this sl- sort of self defeating slacker? Like here I am, the semester is almost over. I've been working hard the whole time, and now that I'm just at the finish, I feel. I feel a little burnout, which I think is fair. I think a lot of people feel that way, but I also feel less motivated. It's, uh, I, you know, I, I talk about how, actually I should turn my light on right now, but I talk about having this sort of seasonal affective disorder thing, which is like when, as soon as the weather gets cold, I start feeling more depressed. And, um, I don't know. I don't know if I can say I've been feeling full blown depressed lately, but I, but like I said, I've been more irritable, um, it's harder for me to get up in the morning and excuse me. And I just generally feel less motivated. So yeah, I'm actually going to reach over and turn my mood light on. I have one of those, um, I was going to say UV lights. I really don't know what you call them, but the, the idea is that, uh, you know, you get more depressed because of less exposure to sunlight. So you sort of compensate by shining a special light in your peripheral vision. That's supposed to like, trick your brain into thinking you're getting more sunlight or some shit. So anyway, right now I have a blinding blue light uh, to the left of my head. Dude, does it really make a difference? I, 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 I really don't know. I think it's sort of like medication. You know, I was actually talking to a classmate about this who was uh, kind of, you know, I think maybe it's being a crisis line counselor. Maybe it's my personality, but I, it's easy for people to kind of open up to me. <laughs> and I had one of my classmates yesterday, yesterday talking to me about their history of depression and, and considering going on medication. And, and I was sort of encouraging them, you know, pe- when people have depression uh, and they consider going on medications, it's almost, I would say, maybe I'm just biased by my experience, but I, it's almost, I would say it's almost without exception that people say that medication is really a last resort for them. Like they really feel like they're mass, they're trying to master a part of themselves. You know, they really feel yeah, I might be depressed, but on some level, I also feel like I'm a flawed human being. And I really want to try everything I can to um, change my life or change my habits that I think I'm responsible before before I try medication. And it sounds awesome. Um, it sounds like exactly what you would want to do. And on paper, you're absolutely right. You know, in the same way, like for a medication, you know, if you have a, a chronic pain or a headache, even something simple like a headache, you know, you could take uh, ibuprofen, but if you have a headache because you're not hydrated or if you have a headache because you're not eating enough, yeah, you should eat and uh, drink some water first and see how that, uh, see if that solves things before you start taking medication. Because it's true. Are are we an over-medicated society? Absolutely. Uh, Do people... um, <laughs> I like when I interview myself, by the way. Are we an over-medicated society? Yes. Um, you know, do people, you know, do people look for pharmaceutical solutions to their problems before they, they, uh, they fix themselves? Sure. You know, do people want to take, um, um, you know, do people, you know, want to get liposuction before, you know, uh, running a lot? 
possibly. Um, but um, where am I going with all this? Yeah, I think... But there's also... Um, and maybe I'm just projecting, but I also feel like... And maybe it's just typical of people who experience depression, but, you know, they blame themselves. And, and maybe it actually ties into what I'm talking about, like the whole werewolf aspect of your personality. Like everyone's trying to trying to suppress their own werewolfism, or what is it called? Lycanthropy. Have you heard that word before? If you didn't know, it's actually, for, you know, in, in, I don't even know, mythology or folklore or whatever, but this idea that you turn into a werewolf, it's called lycanthropy. Um, it's kind of interesting, huh? It's kind of a cool word. Kind of a cool word. Like, I don't know if there's the equivalent for, like, vampirism. Maybe that's actually, maybe that's it. Maybe that's the word. But the, uh, the you know, the, the I don't know, syndrome disorder that you turn into a werewolf is called lycanthropy. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, everyone's trying to, like, everyone's trying to cure their own lycanthropy. But it's also, I think it's also an extension of, not a personality problem, I don't, I don't know what you call it exactly, pathology. It's just a tendency to, to blame yourself. I think I brought up, like, I'm thinking of lycanthropy because it's like, in the same way, you know, you have depression, it's like any other, um, I don't know, mental illness or disorder, you know, you're not entirely responsible for it. Ooh, ooh, actually, I want to change my wording here because I think my point is it's not your fault. You know, if you have depression, it's not your fault. Um, If you have lycanthropy, (laughs) it's not your fault. It is your responsibility, though. And in the same way, if you had any other health diagnosis, it's, it's not your fault that you have it. And you can hate it, and you can be resentful, and you can feel put upon, and you can feel cursed. Um, but it's it's your responsibility to deal with it. And you know, I think part of the problem is we don't give an, we don't you know there's not enough avenues, or maybe they are there are but they're hard to find, or they're you know I don't know stigmatized, which is a I don't know it's a word that gets used so much these days. I sort of roll my eyes at it, but. Um, For both, you know, cultural, personal, and societal reasons, it's it's hard for people to connect with the avenues that could support them emotionally, to the point where they could get the help that that would make their life a lot easier. But um, but uh, here I am talking in circles, and I haven't even gotten to the fucking point of why I brought all this up. But um, yeah. So basically, I worked last night, was not prepared for my quiz, and oh, but I was thinking, look, I'm doing well in the class. I'm doing well in all my classes, actually. And uh, your boy is set up to get straight A's this semester. And uh, that that's an accomplishment for me because when I think back to the chapter of my life where I was like full werewolfism, <laughs> you know, I was, I, was a, I was doing horribly in school. You know, I say I was languishing in a junior college. And so when I talk about running away from this person I was for so many years, you know, getting straight A's would be a nice feather in my cap. One, because I'm fully capable of doing it. There's no, dude, your boy's smart. There's no, there's no reason, you know, if he uses his time wisely and puts the, puts the work in that your boy should get straight A's. There, I mean, that's just how I feel about it. And um, so I feel like getting straight A's this semester would be a tangible uh, example of that. But at the same time, you know, when you're, when you're taking a class like chemistry, which is not entirely intuitive it's 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 hard and it's um very dense and it's a lot of information and it's kind of challenging for me in a way that you know even math which i'm not i don't have a propensity for um i actually do pretty well at when i put the time in um and then things like psychology or english or those i mean those things are very intuitive for me you know i can kind of walk through those courses but, um, you know, I put the work in for chemistry, but you also have to think, you know, how much time do I really want to put into this thing? And, uh, you know, you're like, look, I'm doing more than enough time on the homework. Um, you know, I'm getting close to 100% on the homework, so I'm definitely getting 100% on all the lab work. Um, quizzes, I'm doing fairly well. Um, you know, and when you sit down with your instructor and they're like, hey, you'd have to be pretty bad on the final not to get an A in the class, you think... It's super late at night. I'm already stressed. I worked until midnight. I could stay up for like three hours and cram the rest of this chapter for the quiz tomorrow, or I could let myself go to bed. 
and it's hard for me to make educated decisions or what I think are educated decisions because I'm thinking, Ooh, is this the, is this my werewolfism like creeping in and saying like, uh, like that angel and devil on your soldier, like, it's okay. You don't need to study for the quiz. Go to bed. You've worked hard. You've earned it. <laughs> and there's an angel on my shoulder that goes, I don't know. I don't know. It's time, you know, uh, you, you know, you signed up for the course. It's your responsibility. You know, hey, you want to do well in the class? You got to put in the work, et cetera, et cetera. And um, I don't know, it's hard to find balance. So anyway, again, all, all of course, all of this preface is apology. But um, I ended up going to bed. I got home from work, um, uh, went to bed, I, knowing full well I was not prepared for the quiz this morning. And I slept in. I literally remember my alarm going off at 7 o'clock, hitting snooze, or what I thought was snooze, going back to bed, and I woke up at 10.30. And my class is at nine and the quiz is over. I wake up at 1030 knowing full well that the quiz is over. And I just have one of those. And it, you ever had that thing where you know you slept in because you open your eyes and the quality of the light in the room is compl- is not what it should be at all? Like you're used to waking up early. You know the groggy feeling of waking up and the sort of in the dim light of morning and sort of, you know, waking up and feeling the, oh man, this is the last thing I want to do. Oh, I just want to crawl back into bed. When you wake up and it's fully light out and you, you can just, the, just the quality of the light in the room, you know you slept in too late. It was one of those sort of waking up with a start things. And I look at my, um, I look at my phone, it's 1030. And I, I, I literally went back to this place in my life where I was like in my late teens, early twenties, languishing at junior college and, uh, and being too depressed to like go to class and like sleeping in on purpose and not going to class on purpose. And, um, and, uh, yeah, so I'm just, I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of funky now. It's a couple hours later. I mean, we're sort of in the early afternoon here, but, um, <sighs> yeah, I'm disappointed in myself. Um, um, yeah, I'm kind of bummed. Uh, is it the end of the world? No, the truth is he drops to, uh, he drops two of our uh, quiz scores. So, but yeah, I feel bad. You know, I I mean, I already know I wouldn't have done well on the quiz anyway, but, um, yeah, it's just hard not to be hard on myself. You know, I, I like, I I don't know. I, I feel like I sort of have woken up. I think it's like, is it American Werewolf in London or American Werewolf in Paris? I think actually London is the first one. It's actually a really good movie. Um, American Werewolf in London. Uh, it's not John Carpenter, but it's, it's one of the last of the types of movies where, you know, every, all the effects were done in camera. And so, uh, it's about a guy who has lycanthropy who like turns into a werewolf. Actually, I should see if that movie's on Amazon or something. Um, see if that movie's streaming anywhere. But, um, you know, one of the last types of movies where, um, I I don't know if you call it not animatronics. There's probably some of that, but puppetry and makeup where, you know, it looks a little dated, but you're, there's like, maybe I was talking about this in terms of Dracula. Um, uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula from like 90, whew, man, I'm taking a stab in the dark here, but maybe like, I don't know, 90s, 90, 94 was the first number that came in my head. But anyway, you know, all the effects for Dracula, for the Francis Ford Coppola Dracula movie, were done in camera. And even though it's not perfect, I genuinely believe it's one of those, you know, I call them the the sum psychological effect of any creative work, where when it's genuinely done, you know, when it's not done with any trickery, um, uh, or, you know, um, um, I mean, it's always trickery, but I mean, it's sort of like sleight of hand trickery where it's just done for real, for real. It's not done with computers. It's not done with, um, computer generation. Uh, it's, it just has a sum. It's, it's like the exorcist. And I know that there's, you know, there's, I guess there's some computer stuff in, in the exorcist, but mostly it's done with makeup and wires and smoke and you know what I'm saying? I, I just think it's more terrifying because, you know, even though you know that the girl is not possessed by a real demon, and even though you know this guy's not really a werewolf, the fact that it's it's still physically in front of you, there's more of an immediate psychological connection where that that creature is still more or less in the room. You know, whereas when you're watching movies now and it's like everything that goes bump in the night is just like this computer generated thing, 
it can be scary and the music cues or stings can like make you jump and there's a lot of jump scares, but it's so rare to find a movie that has those lingering, like truly terrifying in- it scenes like the exorcist was for me. Like when you watch the exorcist or when I saw it as a kid, it was literally, it wasn't just jump scary. There were entire scenes where I was so un. I mean, it was like my brain was being broken. I, I mean, I think I was legitimately traumatized by it because I saw it when I was too young. But there were entire scenes that were just, my mind was melting. It was so terrifying just to look at this person. And I think, um, and when you see it done now, it's usually because of, you know, the tension of the storytelling and the and the camera work and what they're showing you and not showing you. And, and, and uh, you know, it sounds crazy because it was totally made as like a total, I think, pop popcorn horror like summer flick or i don't even know when it came out but it was i don't know it's kind of like a bullshit horror movie i guess but paranormal activity was kind of like i mean for 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 my generation it was the blair witch project like you saw that sort of it's it's you know one of those found footage types of horror movies where for most of the movie not much happens and most of the tension is just sound and your mind just sort of projecting onto some empty space I mean, you really create the monster, you know? It's mostly done with suggestion. And, and, and really, the power of the movie is you projecting whatever horrors you want on, the, <laughs> on the, what you're imagining is out there in the woods or, or, or what's lurking around the house, you know? I mean, I remember, well, you know, I, when I saw Blair Witch Project in theaters, you know, it was, you know, this was like a pre-internet age. So it was, even movies still got around by word of mouth. And you would maybe, you would maybe see one or two trailers for a movie but most of it was opening up the paper and seeing the ad for it. And then maybe you've heard some stuff by word of mouth. And I was both just young enough, you know, there was still this suspension of disbelief where nobody knew for certain whether or not it was a real movie, meaning whether this was actual found footage uh, or whether this was a movie that was just made. And um, I remember seeing it in the theaters thinking it was a real, like, oh, the, 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 this was some real found footage. And it was, uh, it was, I mean, it was, it was really, really terrifying. And uh, I kind of felt that again when I saw Paranormal Activity. Um, and uh, I, I don't, I don't, I mean, the premise, I don't know, I think it's like some people move into a new house, obviously, and uh, I don't know, they set up some cameras around the house and things go bump in the night. And I remember watching it alone at home on my laptop, but I had headphones on. Jesus, and there was just something super creepy. Every time something spooky was about to happen, you heard the the sort of microphone hiss sort of come up in the room, and it would just be long silences. Maybe if I go quiet, you'll hear some of that, but it was just like you were watching this grainy black and white footage. And you would just hear like, doom. And you would just hear the quiet sort of shh of the microphone. And someone just sort of, you know, terrified into the darkness going, Hello? Is anyone there? Shh. Did you hear that? out there <laughs> and all of a sudden the sheets fucking fly open and some guy gets dragged out of bed by his ankle jesus christ yeah that movie freaked me the fuck out <clears throat> yeah movies don't really do that anymore i mean even some of the best horror movies i've seen recently like hereditary or midsummer um yeah i'm trying to think of some others yeah they just don't have it's, it's i don't know it's a lot of jump scares um but anyway uh, I've, I've, I've digressed on movies here. I'm not really sure if I finished making my point. Yeah, but the point is I was disappointed in myself this morning, I guess. And just thinking back on this idea that, you know, I spend most of my time feeling like I'm, I'm running away from this person I was um, so many years ago. And I have these moments where I think that that person is like, I'm just, I feel like I could become that person again so quickly. And I don't know. My therapist tries to convince me that that person is like, really far away, but I don't, I don't know. I still feel so much of that person that I was like influenced my decision making. 
<clears throat> and when you're trying to be, I, dude, I don't know. Dude, there's so much talk on on self care now. It's just like I f- just fucking roll my eyes at it because you know I, I'm I'm just torn. You know, I think like I said, I think for me, one of the greatest things I can do that self care for me is exercising. You know, and I think when we talk about self care, it's so much about like you know, having a bubble bath or, you know, uh, watching Netflix or, you know, doing less work. But I don't know. I, I think sometimes, I don't know. I think, I think sometimes, you know, the satisfaction that comes with fulfilling your responsibilities and actually pushing yourself a little bit harder, I think sometimes that's the best thing you can do for yourself. You know, and it's just hard to know what's influencing your decisions sometimes because, I think there's a lot of things that are sort of self-defeating that get uh, categorized as self-care. And um, I don't know, I waffle on it because as someone who who uh, gives advice to people frequently because of my work, and I give people permission to do a lot of things, you know, to just, you know, drop their responsibilities and take care of themselves as a, if that's what they want or what, what, what they're feeling they're capable of doing. And while I, I genuinely believe that, it's maybe it's just hard to extend the same permission like to myself. And um and I don't know. It's hard. Yeah. I don't I don't really know what the answer is. I mean I feel myself talking about this and I feel like I'm sort of mopping myself into a corner because I, I don't really know what the solution's I don't I don't know what the solution is. Um but it's like I think about running. It's like if, if I let myself stop running every time it got difficult and I was at my, you know, at my capacity, you know, you'd never run far. <laughs> you know, you would never be extending your miles. I mean, and so I don't know. Maybe 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 I'm just sort of being like I don't know. Maybe I'm just being judge, judgmental or or curmudgeonly or I, I don't know what the word is, but you know, yeah, maybe when people talk about self-care, maybe that's not what they mean. Maybe that's just what I'm hearing. You know, maybe I just hear other people talk about self-care and I just assume that they're talking about coddling other people. Or maybe, or maybe, and honestly, maybe I hear it that way sometimes. You know what I'm laughing about? My favorite fucking ad. Oh my God. You know, I, I, I don't, I think I've talked about this before on the podcast. I've certainly, you know, chewed my fucking girlfriend's ear off about this. But what I love about ads now is everything is about their system of beliefs. Every ad you see now is at so-and-so, we believe. Oh, dude. Oh, Fuck. Dude, this is perfect. So, it sounds like I'm jumping ship here, but this is new to me. It may be fucking old school because I brought this up at work actually. Um, I never upgrade. Excuse me, I'm I'm like burping up here. I never upgrade my phone operating system. You know, every time, like I don't know what system. I don't know what system number I'm on, but it's like you know when you have an iPhone. Every fucking few months, it's like oh, a new software update's available. I never fucking do it because your phone act, starts acting acting fucking haywire. But for no good goddamn reason, I go into my clock app where all my alarms are and shit, and I see this new feature called bedtime, where they want me to fucking like, uh, like, fuck, all right, let me just read it to you. It goes, introducing bedtime. Now, you may have had this forever, brand new to me, but it says, going to bed and waking up at the same times every day are keys to healthy sleep. Bedtime can help. Answer a few simple questions to set up a recurring wake-up alarm and get a reminder when it's bedtime. So you get started, and it says, what time would you like to wake up? Let's say it's 7 a.m. Which days of the week should the alarm go off? Let's say it's Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, for shits and giggles. Uh, And it says, to help you stay consistent, your alarm will go off every day unless you deselect days below. Okay. How many hours of sleep do you need each night? Most adults need between 7 and 8. So let's say 8 hours. Oh, fucking hell. When would you like a bedtime reminder? Let's say an hour before bed. This is the fucking shit, dude. So it says, what do you want to hear when you wake up? And it has all these fucking little music selections. Let me see if I can play some of it for you. It might be hard to hear, but... Dude, how many of you are ready to wake up or go to fucking bed? 
Dude, this is the fucking most bedtimey music I've ever fucking heard in my life. But the reason this fucking shit stuck out to me is I was like, dude, this is the type of music that they play in every fucking commercial now. Let me see if I can get some of this going for you. This is what I'm talking about in commercials. Everything is about a system of beliefs, and it's all about self-care and encouragement. And uh, there's one example that I, I... Dude, it's my favorite ad in the fucking world. I actually look for it online. I finally got a recording of it. Let me see if I can... But every ad is like this. Here at American Health Insurance, we believe that working hard is sometimes working less. Spending time with the people in your life who matter most. That happiness is not measured by the amount of money in your bank account, but by the value of the relationships that you share. That all people deserve a chance. That self-care is investment in yourself. Talk to your doctor, not just about your physical health, but your emotional health also. Because at American Health Insurance, we care. American Health. Love. Dude, tell me that's not every fucking ad you hear in your life right now. And dude, my favorite, the one I hear the most of, I'm going to see if I can drop the audio in here, but... Um, so I, I'm gonna, I might go back and edit this and drop the audio in right here. Look, here's a tip for body and mind. Sitting too long can be bad for your health. So get up from the workplace every now and again. You know, stretch your stuff. Make it look good like I am right now. <laughs> dude, this is my favorite fucking ad because it sums up, it's, dude, it sums up so much what I just fucking laugh at in ads, which is it's so cloying and pandering and god god bless queen latifah that was queen latifah by the way if you couldn't tell but it is so unnatural and i just think like all this fucking bullshit like this is a this is a it's basically queen latifah like walking through a park with her cell phone point like as if she's like filming a, a video for her instagram story and of course she's all made up and has makeup on and you know this is a professional commercial and she's probably not even holding a real cell phone camera it could have been shot on like i don't know um, but the disingenuousness, you know, uh, sitting at work too long here, I should actually play it for myself and refresh my memory. So sorry. I know I said this was not fucking planned out, but let's see. Let's see. Look, here's a tip for body and mind. Sitting too long can be bad for your health. So get up from the workplace every now and again, you know, stretch your stuff, make it look good like I am right now. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, shit, dude, I would stumble on this all the fucking time. And of course, because the algorithm like says, oh, this guy's watching this commercial a lot. He must really like it. Dude, I was like, how could I fucking record this? I finally found a way to capture the audio for myself because I was actually hoping to play it here on the podcast. But dude, that commercial to me fucking sums it all up so perfectly. So stretch your stuff. Make it look good like I am right now. Ha <laughs> ha. Like, you know. Uh, Cigna like is having all these fucking commercials. So they have like the fu- one of the fucking Jonas Brothers and fucking um, who's the dude from Cheers? I don't know. But their whole shtick now is when you talk to your primary care doctor, talk about your emotional health, not just your physical health. And it's like, you know, every people are so f- I'm, look. I here's here's the problem. Here's why I sound like a fucking horrible person because I don't disagree with the statement. I don't disagree with it at all. But the funny part to me is these are companies who have a vested interest in in taking your money away from you. And everybody's posturing themselves as if they're a fucking person. Like, maybe I have talked about this, but brand identity, you know, the the landscape of how a brand or a business presented themselves to the public completely fucking changed starting in the 90s, which, you know, brands stopped selling products. They became people. And they they became a lifestyle. And selling you Nikes wasn't about the quality of the shoes. Like if you look back on um, advertisements until like the the nineties, every ad was about how good the product was. Every car commercial was about how good the product was. This car was faster. This car uh, had, consumer reports said this about the car. Or um, you would see thirty minute infomercials that just you know showed. Um, um, you know, scientific studies about how this uh, resistance workout machine worked better than others and all that sort of shit. Because 
the, the, the belief was that quality sold. You sold quality of products. That all fucking changed in the 90s. And, it's, and to me, the best example is something like Nike, which is when you look at Nike, it's not about how good their shoes are. They never fucking talk about it. They rarely even showcase the fucking products in their commercials. Their idea is showing you not that they sell shoes, but that they are sports. It's not that Nike makes shoes. That they, their entire branding advertising message is that they are synonymous with sports and the lifestyle of sports. So it's not about convincing you to buy their shoes. It's just getting you so so ingratiated in your mind to appear ubiquitous at every sporting event that you just, for anybody who thinks about buying athletic equipment, they're just going to go to Nike. That 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 um, correlation is so conditioned. It's just a part, It's just an extension of your thinking. You think sports. You think Nike. You know, and there's sort of this just amorphous lifestyle. And it's not about saying, oh, which shoes are the best? It's about saying what kind of, you know, because people are so dishonest about how they live in the world, which is people are creating a character for themselves. People are actually creating their own brand. And when they turn to products or, or, or as consumers, what they're going to buy, they don't want the best. They're, they want what they want to accumulate something that will help project to the outside world how they want to be perceived. And, uh, you know, if it's, if it's, uh, you know, if it's buying a guitar, it's what brand of guitar encapsulates who I am as a person so that when I play my guitar on stage, people will see this guitar and, and, you know, um, assume certain things about who I am. And that's what clothing is. That's what everything is. And, uh, and brands are smart. So they basically just sell your beliefs to you. So, all these commercials are companies saying, oh, we believe X, Y, and Z, so that people who go, oh, I believe X, Y, and Z, so when it's time for me to spend money in, this, in the realm of whatever this fucking company makes or sells, that's who I'm going to give my money to. You know, you listen to this company, Cigna, who's like, oh, they're really, they're really, they really value self-care. They really value health. Uh, no, man, they're selling you insurance or whatever the fuck. I think they're selling insurance. I don't even know what the fuck they're selling, honestly. But these commercials are so fucking, um, fucking, I don't know, is cloying the word? It's just, you know, they, they'll sit down with fucking one of the Jonas Brothers and say, now you're really, you're really interested in, 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 uh, in self-care. What do you do to take care of yourself? He's like, well, you know, I just, uh, I think there's so much stigma around mental health and I just, you know, I, I just, I, you know, I, I have a really good relationship with my doctor and I just want to encourage people to do the same thing. Talk to the doctor, not just about their, their physical health, but how they're feeling. I don't know. Dude, do I sound like a do I sound like the Grinch? Do I, dude, what's that meme that's going around? Okay, boomer. That fucking really annoys me. And of course, you know, because I say it annoys me, I sound like that's like it's one of those self-defeating things. Like what's that? <laughs> Remember that thing that people used to say they would say asphincter says what? And you go, "What?" And they go, "Asphincter says what?" What? You know? Or what else? I don't. Know. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's the the, the your embarrassment or or the, you know the, um, the case against your argument is sort of built into it. So the whole thing is like, oh, okay, boomer, and you go, oh, actually, that's kind of fucked up, and they go, <laughs> okay, boomer. So of course, if you think it's dumb, <clears throat> that's exactly the whole point. You sound stupid, but um, which is actually kind of really smart when you think about it. Um, but yeah, yeah, that stuff fucking really bothers me. And dude, if you don't feel the same way, yeah, we're probably not on the same page. But dude, I, it's like I don't even need to make my case. Dude, if you like this podcast, if if there's something that you pick up when I talk, dude, you'll you'll dig my vibe. You dude, you probably know exactly where I'm coming from. You dude, you probably feel the exact same way. You hate this shit. You hate the fucking fucking bedtime music that everyone's fucking playing with the fucking xylophone and the hands clapping and the and the super fucking breathy, self-satisfied voice patronizing you telling you about uh, taking care of yourself and how their brand is synonymous with love and it's like dude you feel like you're being fucked with and the funniest part to me is people think like people who people who are all about like people who that speaks to who genuinely feel moved by that who don't see the fucking puppet strings of the fucking of the people writing this fucking like don't people understand that when these commercials are made it's it comes up in a fucking boardroom where the people who are trying to make money, like Coca-Cola, who's buying to, who's trying to put soda into people, their main fucking goal is to put soda inside your body, shit that rots your teeth and fucking gives you fucking colitis, probably. 
Their only interest is putting soda inside your body. And they sit around in a boardroom and think, hmm, how can we sell more soda to people? And they say, well, you know what? People are really into self-care and, you know, people are into emotions and blah, blah, blah. And they do market research about what, dude, all the commercials have the same fucking words, dude. All of the commercials have the same fucking words. They talk about empowerment, disruption, um, redefining, um, uh, community, fucking all that fucking bullshit. It's all the same shit. It's the same shit over and over and over again. And the fact that it actually speaks to people is fucking... I, 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 dude, I don't understand it. I'm, I'm, I, I'm, <laughs> I was at school. I literally heard a conversation and I wrote down what this person was saying. And I couldn't fucking believe how many... Because I couldn't believe how many cliches were coming out of their mouth. I'm trying to see if I can find it. Uh, I, I'm hesitating to read it because I feel like I'm like beating up on people. But, um, but uh, dude, why can't I find it? I was literally just showing it to my girlfriend. Huh. Oh, okay. I was literally at school and I was just hurrying this conversation and um, I was just typing all the words that this person was saying that I had heard. So I heard unpack a hundred times, like unpacking feelings or, well, we can have a conversation and unpack that. Dude, so much talk about space, holding space, curating space for things. I really think we should hold space for those types of feelings. And, you know, I think in terms of your self-care, it's really important that you curate space for, for yourself, etc. A lot of talk about processing, processing feelings. You know, I think the more you talk about it, the more you process that. Dude, triggering and activating. So many talk about things that we're triggering or activating. A lot of talk about celebrating things. Celebrate this about yourself. Celebrate that about yourself. And also, nothing was ever just said. Everything was offered. I'd offer that. Uh, you know, I would humbly submit that, blah, 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 blah. I'd offer that, blah, blah, blah. And also, a lot of talk about how people, quote, show up in the world. You know, some people who show up in the world as this, some people who show up in the world as that. A lot of talk about lived experience. You know, people reporting on their lived experience and my lived experience, people who don't understand people with lived experience. And literally, dude, there were two, two things she kept saying over and over again. One was that, quote, being, oh, sorry, being, quote, bigger than what happened to you and, quote, rewrite your story. Oh, <laughs> one thing that stuck at you, this is, this is separate, but I wrote it down as well. I saw someone in their Facebook post, and I don't know, do these bother you when people like write their anniversary post about how they've been together with someone for so long and they're talking about their relationship as if they're the first fucking people to have a functional relationship. And they always talk about how it wasn't easy, but these people do this person described their relationship as having quote braved togetherness. And I literally melted in my fucking seat and just went, dude, braved togetherness. Dude, it's like as if they fucking fucking were like at the fucking Mordor throwing the ring, like at the end of Lord of the Rings, like throwing the fucking ring into the fucking lava of Mordor, as if you fucking have gone through three movies worth of fucking trials and tribulations to fucking throw the ring in Mordor. Like you're Odysseus at the end of your fucking journey. Dude, you're in a relationship. This is your girlfriend. This is your boyfriend. You two have braved togetherness. Now, dude, I'm not saying that for some people. Dude, intimacy is phenomenally hard for some people, and it's a challenge. But as hard as it is for you, dude, even if it's exceptionally fucking difficult, it's not harder than anybody else. Braved togetherness. I'm sorry, man. I don't know. Dude, does that make you sick, too? Does, when you When you read stuff like that, when you're... First of all, this is why I need to stay off social media altogether, because honestly... My, my, my primary feeling when I, when I <laughs> do, when I scroll Facebook and I see what people are posting, my primary emotion is disgust. And I think, first of all, I think, who are these people? <laughs> like, I, I mean, I certainly know a lot of the people that I see, but I, it's like, I don't even know how I connected with most of these people. And I don't like most of them. <laughs> most of the stuff that people post, I don't like. I judge everyone. I Dude, I scroll through my Instagram feed and the shit that people share and say is fucking unbelievable to me. 
that just the self-seriousness that people have about themselves over nothing. I still think it's delusional, but it's like when celebrities talk about themselves in that way, at least you, I mean, that's why we fucking hate celebrities, right? They seem so out of touch. They take themselves so seriously. And we think, wow, you know, yeah, I like that person's movies, but why do they take themselves so fucking seriously as if I care what's going on in their life or their relationships? People talk about themselves the same way. And look, I'm not saying it's not important to you. I'm sure it's exceptionally important to you. The fact you, you know, I see, especially when like crazy shit goes on in their lives, like, you know, I, one person's like, where well, their partner was clearly cheating on them. They were posting these messages to everybody about it. And I was just like, oh my God. And I, there's this, you know, of course, dude, my poor girlfriend, God damn, my poor girlfriend has to hear me talk about this shit all the time. But it's like, I understand the case of like, yeah, social media is, you know, people think it's uh, intrinsically um, and it's true. It's the self-curated highlight reel of most people's lives. And so some people think that these sorts of posts are combating that or they're going against the grain of, of the, the sort of the toxic, the intrinsically toxic, toxic nature of social media. And uh, by sharing something real and vulnerable, you know, they're actually curating or holding space for emotions that don't get talked about. Dude, I think it's rude and I'll tell you why. Dude, when you go through life, fuck social media, when you go through life and you ask somebody, hey, how you doing? You don't want the truth. And if they told you the truth, it's rude. Now, you can decide for yourself whether it's right or wrong. But if somebody comes up to me, if a coworker or a fucking stranger comes up to me and says, oh, hey, how you doing? And I started saying things like, well, you know, my, my bowel movements haven't, haven't been as solid as I like lately. And, uh, you know, there's some tension in my relationship. I suspect my, my, my partner might be cheating on me. And, uh, you know, there's another coworker I fantasize about. It's, it'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Dude, no, don't put that on me. I don't, I don't, well, first of all, newsflash, I don't really give a fuck about the answer and it's not that i want you to be doing bad but it's a it's fucking rude to put that on people and no it's not an extension of how we are as a society and how cold we are and it's just that's not what life is i don't know what's been deleted or not because we've had to sort of go back and edit some other episodes but you know people talk about unconditional this unconditional that your friendships, even your romantic relationships, there are fucking boundaries. It's your, I believe it's your responsibility when you quote, show up in the world as people talk about, that you don't burden people with shit they don't need to be responsible for. Now, I know when things get hard, you need support, but you can't just fucking start putting that on people. And when I see people just fucking, you know, fucking hairy carrying themselves on social media and spilling their guts about what's going on in their personal lives, I think it's rude. It's the same thing you feel when someone's like, and look, they're suffering, they need support, I get it. But when people are sort of vague posting and sort of fishing for sympathy or whatever the fuck it is, it, it's, it's kind of emotionally manipulative. And look, I, I, when people are suffering, they're not in control of what they're doing. I get it. I, I'm not saying these people need to be fucking excommunicated from social media. I'm just saying, let's be honest about what it is. I mean, this is not healthy behavior. There should be other places that this person can turn to where they can get support. All right. I sound awful. I get it. I get it. I feel it. <clears throat> I feel people listening and fucking hating me. I get it. But dude, I really, I really think that. I really think it's rude. I think when you unload on people in this way, I think it's, uh, yeah, I, I think it's, uh, it's inconsiderate. Says the guy who has a fucking podcast where people can hear him talk for a fucking hour a week. <laughs> But to be fair, you signed up for this shit. <clears throat> and I'll be honest, you know, look, we, we, we're all sort of guilty of this stuff. You know, I'm not immune to it. But I think it, it sort of goes back to, it's like a lot of things in my life where I'm not saying it's never happened to me. I'm never, it's not, I'm, I'm not saying I've never done it myself, but I feel like that's shit I did. If I did do it, it was years ago when I was younger. It feels juvenile to me. You know, I, 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 I sort of roll my eyes, but you know, it's like when we have younger people that we follow on Instagram or younger people that we're friends with on, on Facebook, we see them posting all sorts of embarrassing shit. You know what I'm saying? Opening up about shit that, you know, it's really not for public consumption. 
And again, it's not because society can't handle it. It's because it's it's just it's inappropriate. It's rude. <laughs> um, yeah, it just feels juvenile. And there's a lot of things that I feel, you know, I'm totally fine with younger people doing it because they don't really know. They're figuring life out. But when I still see adults doing it, it's insane to me. Anyway, as I sort of think about it, I think, man, like when we first started this episode, we were, it was kind of vulnerable, right? We were talking about lycanthropy and running away from who you were. Dude, maybe that's it. Maybe it's like, like you know the saying, it's like there's this belief like what you hate most about other people, you hate about yourself. And I, I think there's something to that. I mean, I think when you, you know, when, when you have a sense of who you're trying to be and who you want to become, when you, when you see people readily engaging in the types of behavior that you either are hyper vigilant of avoiding in yourself or you're actually genuinely trying so hard to fight in yourself, you sort of resent people for just embracing it. And dude, this might be a crazy way to sort of bring this up, but I think it partly goes back to like, you know, when they talk about pastors or whatever, who are the most anti evangelically anti gay, those are the gay ones. And I think part of it is one, they hate themselves, but but I think part of it too is they, they resent people who they're like, I work so hard to suppress this impulse because of, you know, this, whatever my very personal sense of what a good person is that they, they just, they start railing against people who just sort of embrace their sexuality in this way. You know what I'm saying? How can you embrace this hedonism about yourself, this sin about yourself when there are those of us who are fighting so hard to suppress it? So you know, maybe that's part of it. I mean, when I, it's sort of uncomfortable for me because when I have tried to talk about this stuff in therapy, my therapist is always like, you know, and not wrongly, but points out like, you know, when people, like when people post these things, well, what bothers me about it so much? Is it that these people are, it sounds so unfair to put it this way, <laughs> like, uh, but it's like, you know, oh, well, this person's asking for help. Like, what is it about someone asking for help that's so hard for you? Is there a part of you that wishes that you could ask for help in the same way? And I just go, come on, really? Come on. I can't just hate something. I can't just be against something. And I get it. Maybe she's right. Maybe on some level, I want to write those types of posts too. Dude, maybe this podcast is just one one big fucking vague post. The fucking vague post podcast. That's actually not a bad name. The vague post podcast. Dude, I have this person that I uh this um really she's actually a really cool uh really cool young lady. I say young because that's how I met her. But years ago, I was playing this house concert in Niles, which is this fucking small ass town in California, like south of the Bay Area. Um, and I was playing this house concert there and one of the girls who was, I think she was just like assisting the sound engineer or maybe was running sound. Um, but she's sort of grown up into this very like passionate social, uh, justice advocate person. Um, she like wanted to run for government office or something like that. She even reached out to me about doing some sort of like campaign video or helping her make some sort of campaign campaign video or something. She did this like TEDx talk recently about, uh, indigenous cultures and shit. Um, uh, why was I bringing her up? Oh, uh, her name is Sam. And she was posting about how she wants to do this podcast where each episode she sort of talks about different you know, aspects of social justice and sort of explaining to people um, you know, the reasoning behind it or whether it's pro, uh, gender pronouns or, or any, number of, any number of issues. And her name is Sam and she was asking for, for titles. And I thought I was a fucking genius. I was like, oh, it should be called Samsplain. The Samsplain podcast. Like mansplaining, but Samsplaining. And I'm writing this post. I'm like, I'm, I'm commenting on her status update. And I'm writing, podcast title for the win, colon, Samsplaining. And right before I hit enter, I think, that felt pretty easy to me. That, that fucking came to me pretty quickly. And although I think it's fucking hilarious... I saw some other comments and I was like, I should just scroll through these comments real quick and fucking see if anyone else fucking already put that down. And I look up and of course, five comments above me is this one dude who, who wrote Sam Splaining also. And of course, people were fucking gushing over it, talking about, oh my God, that's fucking brilliant. And I was like, no, <laughs> no, I shouldn't have fucking won the comment war. No. Oh man, I, I was seriously so deflated. Dude, it just goes to show you, dude, sometimes success is being the first one in the fucking space. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
Sometimes you got to curate that space yourself, dude. If you don't curate or hold space fast enough, you fucking miss out on the glory. You fucking miss the glory, dude. That's why holding space is important for the glory. Curate space for the glory, folks. Damn, dude, I was so defeated. And dude, it was so funny. Like, I, I don't know the guy who commented that, but I instantly fucking hated him. <laughs> I was instantly like, this motherfucker. Anyway. Oh, oh, jeez. Oh, Lord, I'm pooped. Oh, poop stains. Uh, yeah. <laughs> dude, I, I don't know. I was laughing because there's this episode, that, episode eight was called Poop Stains. And I was just laughing. Oh, man. That shit's funny to me. Like I said, I didn't know this podcast was going to be so scatological sometimes. We talked about poop a lot. I've had to I've had to go to the bathroom while we've been recording this show sometimes. But you know that. I tell you when I do that because I'm honest. This is a safe space for me, this podcast, to talk about everything. I, wasn't I, I was just talking about bowel movements a second ago. Hey, man, what's going on with you? Hey, I had a solid bowel movement. High five. Dude, people would be like, huh? <laughs> when I walk into work later today, people are like, hey, what's going on, buddy? How's it going? I'm like, hey, had a solid bowel movement. High five. They'd be like, huh? Huh? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. God, it's so weird when I sit down to do this. I just have no idea where we're going to go. We went a lot of places today. We talked about werewolfism. We talked about horror movies. I fucking railed against fucking advertisers. Man. Thanks for listening. Uh, you could listen to a lot of stuff that you spend uh, however much time. Dude, even if you didn't make it through this whole episode, I'm sure a lot of people clicked off about the time I was fucking railing against fucking Queen Latifah. <laughs> um, thanks for listening. You know what? Actually, I want to give a shout out to somebody. Um, I don't know if it's appropriate to say their name, but um, if the person listens... Uh, they'll know that I'm talking about them, but I did have a coworker, who, um, or I should say a former coworker who bumped into me and, uh, and it was sort of embarrassing cause she came up to me and was like, uh, Oh, Hey, I've been listening to your podcast. And of course I immediately had that fucking like knife in the gut feeling of like, Oh, I feel vulnerable. Oh, I'm kind of embarrassed. I'm afraid I've said something that you fucking hate me for. <clears throat> but she, uh, you know, she gave me a compliment, which is, you know, it stuck in my mind one cause it was nice of her to say, but it's kind of exactly what I'm going for. And uh, it's something I'm hearing a lot, which is, you know, the people who like this podcast are liking it because it feels like they're just sort of sitting around and hearing me chat. You know, it's like hanging out with me. And it's not for everybody, but hey, look, there's enough, there's enough like-minded people in the world that, um, you know, um, people are, people are going to dig my vibe. And um, so it's nice when the people in my life who, uh, who already like me, like listening to the podcast and they, and they, they say it feels like they're just sort of getting to hang out with me once a week. And, um, and uh, it meant a lot. It's, uh, you know, I, I forget cause it, it's it, like I said, this thing's grown, which is great. And it's still small numbers, but, but that anybody at all listens and that uh, more and more people seem to be tuning in is, uh, is really awesome. And, uh, what is especially nice about it for me is I'm just doing what I want. You know, I'm just firing up the mic, sitting down for an hour a week and, uh, talking about whatever I talk about. And, uh, that, that is because I enjoy it and that it means anything to anybody, um, is really fulfilling. And, uh, those are exactly the types of things I want to be doing more in my life. And, um, it just feels more sustainable and it's just more fun for me. And, uh, that you enjoy it, that you listen means a lot. And, um, I don't know, I I wasn't anticipating sort of wrapping up here so quickly, but, uh, that's exactly what it sounds like I'm doing. So thank you for listening. And, um, if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, you can in uh, Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google play, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts and, uh, rate and review it. You know, if you think this show deserves, look, if you think it deserves less than five stars, fuck off. But if you think the show deserves five stars and you want to take two minutes to just give it a five star review and maybe say a couple nice things about it, that'd be awesome. Um, and, uh, you know, it, 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 look, you can, you can hear this on YouTube also. Cause my, my goal eventually is I want to make this a video podcast. I want to fire up a mic. It'll be the exact same probably, but, um, but uh, I know most of the podcasts I like are on YouTube, our video podcasts. And I feel like, you know, once we grow this enough, um, 
I'd uh, I'd like to do that. So uh, you can you know subscribe to my YouTube channel, and uh, yeah, yeah, and you can connect with my socials at this is M X O X O. Otherwise, think of one person in your life who you think would like this podcast. Um, look, if you like it, dude, there's no doubt that some of your friends would like it. If you want to share it with all of them, dope. But really, all I'm asking for you is to share it with one person that you really think would like it. And uh, let's see if we can grow this thing. Um, is there anything else to say? Uh, well, I guess if there is, we'll pick it up on the next episode. So thanks for listening today. And uh, ciao for now. Ciao.